Last week, we talked about some of the successes uh, Clarksburg Baptist Church in the past year and some of the things that we look back on and that nothing else make us smile, some of the things that God has blessed us with, some of the uh, experiences that we've had in, in serving Him and some of the things that were planned and some of the things that were, were unplanned that God just, just put on us and that were things to celebrate. But we also talked about the idea that since our church's vision is moved beyond, that as good as the things were in the past year, we want to celebrate those, but we want to move beyond whatever God has for us because we believe that God has something greater for us as a church, and we want to move beyond the successes of the past to what he has for us in the future. But that move beyond also applies to us as individuals. The idea that as individuals, we want to always be moving in our faith, that we never want to be content where we are. Whether it's in our knowledge of him, whether it's in our, our service, whatever it is, we want to grow and constantly be growing. So as much as we celebrate what's happened and what God has done in our lives, we always want to move beyond that to something greater that he has for us in the kingdom. And as long as we're on this earth, as long as we're here and breathing, God wants us to move beyond to something greater. So last week we talked about the ideas kind of corporately of a church and, and some of the things that, that we celebrate but also that we want to move beyond and, and accomplish. This week we want to talk more on a personal level. And to do that we're going to be looking at Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is an interesting psalm. For a lot of us when we think about the psalms, we think about as their author, a lot of us will point to David. And indeed King David is certainly a, an author of the psalms, but all of them weren't written by him. In fact, Psalm 90 is particularly interesting to me because scholars think it was, was written by Moses. And the really interesting thing is it parallels a little bit the events of Numbers 20. In other words, you can read this psalm and then Numbers 20, and you can really see where Moses was, was going with that psalm if you consider the events in Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, three significant events happen in Moses' life. Uh, there's the death of his sister Miriam. There's the sin that he commits that prohibits him from setting foot in the promised land, and also there's the death of his brother Aaron. So there are three very significant realities of life that come upon Moses in number chapter 20. So as we go through and as we read this psalm today, just keep that in perspective of some of the things that might have been going on in the life of Moses at the time. But one of the things as we look at the realities of life today, we don't want to just look at the realities because as we talk about the realities today, all of you will sit there and say, I guarantee you, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that. But it's not just the realities and the fact that we know the realities. It's what we do with the realities and how we respond to them. Before he addresses the realities of, of our individual lives, Moses talks about the reality of God relative to our lives. And the first two verses in Psalm 90 speak to that. He writes, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses starts this psalm by looking to God. He confesses that God is his protector. He confesses that God has always been with him. So before he goes on to look at the realities of life, he just starts 
by confessing who God is. And I think a lot of us sometimes, when we look at the realities of life, we fail to also consider who God is and how God has worked and will continue to work in our lives. God is the starting point, and the starting point with God is that He's consistent. God is always consistent. Here He's talked about as a dwelling place. Now, we think of a dwelling place as some place that we live. In this context, what it's talking about is a, a dwelling place is a, a refuge, a place of defense. It's a protecting shelter. In other words, it's a place of safety. And it's particularly appropriate if Moses was leading the Israelites and they were wandering in the desert. And if you know that story of the Israelites wandering in the desert, there were many times where God's safety and God's protection were very important for them. So Moses is confessing, look, even with all the realities of life that me and my people are going through, God has been consistent and he's been a protector and a place of safety for us. And then he uses the word everlasting. He says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Everlasting in Hebrew is figurative. And everlasting means from the vanishing point to the vanishing point. I love that. From the vanishing point to the vanishing point. As far as you can see in either direction and beyond, God is God. God is consistent. If you think about God, God was here when you were born. God will be here when you leave this earth. God is here in your prosperity. He's here in your need. He's here in your health. He's here when you're sick. He's here when you succeed, and he's here when you fail. And no matter what the circumstance is in life, God is consistent. And that's what Moses is saying. Before he deals with the realities of life, he makes the point that God is consistent throughout all eternity. Not just for him, but throughout all eternity, God is consistent. And that's a great place to start as we start to look at the realities of life. The first one, life is short and passes quickly. Beginning in verse 3 of Psalm 90, he says, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. You know, when you're young, you are invincible. You are. Just, you don't have to ask any young person if they believe that. They will just show you by the way that they live. And before we are too hard on young people... All of us who are older know we were the same way. We were invincible. Nothing could happen to us. And the idea of death or the end of our life was just something that really wasn't even on our radar screen. Now, the older we get, we have a better understanding that life is brief. And life certainly passes by very swiftly. But what, he said, what the, Moses is saying here is the idea that Compared with eternity, even a long life is just kind of like yesterday. Or he compares it to a watch in the night, which was like four hours. So compared to eternity, in the whole big picture of eternity, our life is just like yesterday. Or just like a short watch in the night. And he talks about how often that we just kind of get swept away like a, 
a flash flood almost. Or he talks here about grass, the idea that the grass springs up in the morning and then is gone in the evening. In the Middle East, the, the soil is very shallow, so even grass that springs up and looks very lush and green in the morning by the time it sits out in the hot sun all day, it, it's brown before the sun goes down. And that's what he's talking about. He's, he says that we're, we're just passing through. And that's his whole point. We're just passing through. Our life compared to eternity is just a small thing. And if you think about it, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever done anything with like your genealogy, finding out who all your old relatives are. I, I've never really done a whole lot with it, but it's interesting to look back. And, but there comes a point where you, you, they're just names. They're just names. There are people who at their time in their life were probably very significant, who, who did some very, very good things, but they're just names. And I, I think for myself, 150 years from now, one of my great, 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 great or whatever grandchildren may be looking back to see what their genealogy is, and suddenly they find this old guy that was a pastor way back when, and they go, well, that's kind of cool, and, 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 they, and they move on. Now, that's not to say that our lives don't matter. Our lives matter a great deal. And this is not meant to sound depressing. In fact, Moses does not say it for us to become depressed, even though he's doing a pretty good job of it if you just read this particular portion as it is. But that's not what he's about at all. What he's trying to get us to do is put things in perspective. Put the whole thing in perspective, that life is fleeting. All our lives are fleeting. That's part of the perspective. But also what he wants us to see is that it's not so much important that we live in the moment, but that we live for eternity. That the idea that, that we are put here for a very brief time to do a very specific work that God has for all of us to do. That's what scripture says. That, that we are set apart to do work for him. And he's designed that work for us to do. But the whole idea is that we need to put it in the perspective of eternity. And if you look at your life as going by swiftly, maybe it makes you... Appreciate the days that you have. We, we wake up every morning and we're either looking forward to something. I just can't wait till it gets here. I can't wait till it gets here. I can't wait till it gets here. Or we just make it through the day just hoping, well, if I can just get through this day, then, then tomorrow uh, we'll be here. And, and we've all done that. But what he's saying is, look, your, your time, your time is short. So put in the perspective of eternity that, that you were put here to do a very specific thing. That God has called you to do. The second reality is that our sin is offensive to God. Psalm 90 beginning in verse 7. It says, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Moses is reflecting on the sinful character of man. And this may be very appropriate. Remember I mentioned Numbers chapter 20. Because Moses is maybe reflecting on his sin, the sin that kept him from entering the promised land. What happened, if you're not familiar with the story, is the Israelites were complaining that they didn't have any water to drink. And so God told Moses, he said, go speak to this rock and I'll send forth water from it. And Moses got frustrated and he struck the rock. Water still came out, but then Moses took partial credit for what God had really done. And so, because... Moses didn't do what God had told him to do. God said, you will not enter the promised land. And you think, well, Moses was a great guy. Moses did a lot of great things. But what we need to remember is that even the best of men are only men at best. I don't know where I read that, but I liked it. 
even the best of men are only men at best, that we are all sinful people, and sometimes our choices and the choices of those around us bring painful consequences. The good news is, for those of us who are believers, Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just, and He'll forgive us our sins. But one of the things that we forget sometimes is sometimes the consequences of our sin live on. And we are forgiven. God has, in His grace, has forgiven us, and we are, are made new. But sometimes those consequences continue. So we need to be careful in the way that we act, not only in the sense that sin is an offense to God, but it has consequences well beyond maybe that particular event. The third reality of life is life is hard. All right, 90, Psalm 90, verse 9. says, All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, and they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Moses may sound negative here, but actually what he's doing is he's being very realistic. He's being very realistic in the sense that that the journey of life is not easy. The Cubans have a phrase, uh, no es facil, it's not easy. No es facil. It's not easy, and, and it's very true in, in, in the life that they live on a daily basis. But for all of us, uh, life is not easy. If you think about it, when you're a baby, you become frustrated because you can't get across what you really need. You can't communicate that, so what do you do? You fuss and you cry in your frustration. Uh, childhood, in the teen years, you have social cliques, you have physical awkwardness, you have new skills that you have to learn, and you have insensitive classmates. After you grow up and get out on your own, there are the challenges of finding a job and paying the bills. Raising a family, you run faster and faster and faster and feel like you're getting nowhere. As you grow older, you have a host of physical challenges, hearing, eyesight, arthritis maybe. And in your senior years, sometimes you struggle with loneliness. So indeed, life is not easy and sometimes life is a struggle. We all know that. But here's what he says in verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's not suggesting that that we sit down and try to figure out how long we're going to live. He doesn't suggest that we have a calendar posted on our wall and every day that we get up we X off uh, another day so we can can count the number of days that we live. What he is asking us is, or asking God is to help us to remember certainly that our time is short. But as I said earlier, that we are to make the most of the time we have. When we realize that our time is short, though, for most of us, instead of saying, well, my time is short, so I have a short amount of time to really make a great impact in the kingdom of God. What happens a lot of times is we realize that, that life is short, so we try to cram as much into it as we possibly can. Our calendars are full. We're overcommitted. We're always on the run. We're never at home. But when we are at home, we're either watching TV. This is bigger than the real one. Or we're sitting there going... 
Why do I say that? Because that's what I do. Or I'll work all day. I'll work all day. And I'll come flying in and, and scarf down dinner and jump in the car and boom, I'm off to that really important meeting that I can't miss. You know, it just won't go on without me. Or conversation. Here's where you know, here's where you know that maybe you're trying to cram too much in and not giving attention maybe to the right people. When people who really you didn't think cared that much all of a sudden want to start riding in the car with you. And you think, what's, all, what's that all about? Well, they want to take trips with you because that way they've got you confined. You're driving. You can't be punching something. You have to listen. Now, you may or may not converse back. I struggle with that myself. But the idea is that we try to cram so much into what little time we have. And that's not what Moses is talking about at all. In fact, people who number their days do things differently. Because what they do is they make decisions about what is truly important in their lives. And they pursue those things. They decide what's truly important and they pursue those things. And that means that occasionally you say no to some good things. They may be great things. But sometimes you have to say no even to good things so that you can pursue the things that really matter. In fact, we should pray, I think, and it's a paraphrase of verse 12. It's, Lord, help me to live a life with perspective and wisdom. That's really what this prayer is. Lord, help me to live a life with perspective and with wisdom. But there's one final reality that I want us to talk about today, and that's the fourth reality, is that as believers, the future is our friend. It is. Psalm 90, verse 13. It says, Relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Indeed, life is short. And life is difficult. And sin is an offense to God. But in spite of the black border that there appears to be around this psalm, actually what he has done is incredible. He has started out with a confession, a very positive confession of who God is. And then he's gone to some realities of life that we all go through because we're human. But then he wraps it all up in a positive way again as he shows what really we need to be about and what we really need to pray and how we really need to look at life. The future is our friend if we have faith in Christ. It is our friend. 
And the past and the present experiences of life are certainly a preparation for the future, but all of life is a preparation for eternity. The closing prayer that Moses gives here in this psalm, he emphasizes God's compassion and his unfailing love. He emphasizes a desire, uh, or God's desire rather, to give us joy and satisfaction even in the midst of life troubles. And he talks about God's ability to make life count for eternity. When Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the future is your friend. And what a wonderful reality that is. But think about this in the context of the New Testament. About the future being our friend. Read the New Testament. Read the epistles. What do they talk about? The writers talk about all the suffering that I'm going through right now. But then they conclude, but it's nothing. It's nothing compared to the glory that I'm going to have. In other words, I'm going through suffering right now because of sin and because I'm a human being. But really, in the big picture, in the perspective of eternity, it is nothing compared to what God has for me in eternity. We all look for rewards here. The, the real reward is in heaven. And, and, he's, and the New Testament is full of such things. Another place in the New Testament, it talks about, you know, we are beat down. But hey, we're okay. You know, we're not destroyed. We're oppressed and we're beat down and all of this kind of stuff. But we go on. We go on. Why? Because of the right perspective on things. Think about today. Scripture talks about that God is working everything that goes on in our lives for the good. That's hard to realize sometimes. But that's what Scripture says. And when you live with that perspective, then the realities of life are certainly still realities. They don't go away. But it helps you to put them in a better perspective, an eternal perspective. That that's not all there is. That the future is our friend. If we didn't have the fourth reality, what in the world would we do? We'd just wander around here miserable all the time. But that fourth reality that the future is our friend is what keeps us going if we know Christ. Moses prays in the face of a fleeting life and he prays in the face of a difficult life and he prays in the face of a sinful life and even the consequences that he's suffering because of his sins. In the midst of the idea that life is brief, how does Moses close the psalm? Does he complain that life is brief? He says, no, he says, teach us. That's his prayer. In the face of short life, he says, teach us. Moses, in the face of the fact that life is difficult, he prays, Lord, to satisfy us. And in the face of the idea that sometimes our work seems futile, then he prays, establish the work of our hands. God answered those prayers for Moses. And he'll answer them for us. So in the midst of all of the realities of life, never lose sight of the fact that the future, because you're a believer, 
is your friend. And the God who was from vanishing point to vanishing point, who's always been there, who will always be there, is the God who holds the future. I hope that in this coming year, for myself and for you, that we'll work from that perspective. Let's pray.